Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Last Drinks Podcast, a new conversation about how to navigate an awesome life without alcohol, reframing the cultural norms around alcohol in our lives, and hosted by me, Maz Compton. Sober since 2015. Hello, family. Welcome to another episode of Last Drinks Podcast. Before we get into the chat, which is with Tyler Martin, who's the founder of Yes You Can Drinks, uh, a non-alcoholic brand, uh, Aussie created, curated, crafted. Uh, they're doing really good things in the non-drink, non-alcohol, non-alcoholic drinks space. Uh, before we get into that chat. Uh, which is really cool. He's a really lovely person and the story behind the brand is quite interesting, which is why he's a guest on the podcast. <laughs> Before we do that, a couple of bits of business. First of all, thank you for all your feedback on the podcast. I do, I get messages um, through my Instagrams, Instagrams, at Max Compton and at Last Drinks Pod. And I just love hearing that you guys are loving the podcast and benefiting from it. So thank you. That's super encouraging and, and very validating. So I do appreciate that. Secondly, my book, Last Drinks, How to Drink Less and Be Your Best, will be available at the end of this month. You can pre-order a copy now uh, from my website, mazcompton.com. And my beautiful friends at Booktopia have a bit of a discount going on at the moment, which is a bit sweet. So uh, pre-order a copy now. And if you order it now, it will be delivered to you the day that it is released, which is super fun. So if you are loving the chats in this podcast and you want to take sobriety to the next level in your life, or maybe you've been sober for a while, but you just want a bit of a reset or some guidance on how to dig deeper into why you're drinking or why you're sober, uh, the book is a sober curious handbook. So there's that. And then finally, I am hosting, it's like a mini book launch, Sunday brunch at Chin Chin in Sydney on the 2nd of July. I am hosting or facilitating a sober social event with my beautiful friend Mel Watkins. She is an alcohol therapist and so wonderful. She does some great work in this space. You can uh, find out more about what Mel does uh, on her Instagram, which is it's not me, it's booze. So uh, we have collaborated together for the first time and it's been great to put together this event with her. There's been a lot of work go into it, but we're going to host this event and you can come along. You can buy your tickets. I will put the link in the show notes. And so what it is, it's a couple of hours at Chin Chin, which is a super fancy restaurant in Sydney. You'll get your Sunday brunch with all the trimmings, but also a mini keynote from me about how to socialize sober. Mel will also be speaking and there's going to be, yeah, just some really great handy tips on how you can engage in our culture without alcohol and without feeling super awkward. So if socializing and sobriety is not something that you're used to uh, or you want to give it a go, it's a safe place 
Uh, everyone's welcome. My advice is to come with some friends and meet some new ones and you can do it all sober and I'll be there to hold your hand. So it would be lovely to see you there. Uh, it's our first event. Hopefully we'll do more uh, in the future if there is enough demand. So that's all of the business. And now time for another chat. So Tyler Martin, as I said earlier, is the founder of Yes You Can Drinks. He's got a great story They're doing, him and his partner, Sophie, are doing wonderful things in the non-alcoholic drinking drinks space. And so we had a chat and, of course, we started our conversation, as always, with me finding out about Tyler's last drink. Tyler Martin, how are you going, buddy? Yeah, good. Good good to be here. It's so great to have you on. And we're going to get into Yes You Can drinks shortly, but... I wanted to kick off our conversation as I like to do with all of my guests on this podcast and ask you about your last alcoholic drink and do you even remember that? Yeah, so I um, it was probably before Christmas, so it's been about five months. Um, now, I, I, I would still say that I, I drink, but I just haven't for, for five or six months now. It's, um, it's kind of, uh, yeah, just something that I've adopted through the journey of the business, but also just stage in life as well. That's so interesting that you, I mean, you haven't had a drink for five or so months, but you wouldn't necessarily say you went on a sober journey necessarily. Really? I mean, I didn't go out with that intention. Um, I guess I just realized that my life was too busy and like I had other priorities that I just couldn't. I guess, deal with the consequences of, of, of drinking. And when, like, prior to, uh, you know, five or so months ago, what had, I guess, in this season of life, what had your drinking relationship um, or your drinking behaviour kind of resulted in? Like, did you ever kind of sit down and go, huh, maybe this isn't for me anymore or my hangovers are getting worse or um, I feel like if I stop drinking, my peer groups, you know, might ask me some interesting questions that I'm not quite ready to answer. Were any of those thoughts circling in your mind? Yeah, so probably all the above, to be honest. I think like going back, growing up, like there was alcoholism in, in the family. So that was kind of there, um, you know, a degree or a couple of degrees away. That was kind of just there, but not necessarily, um, I guess, impacting me as I was get, as I was growing up. But I saw, I guess, the, the destruction that that can have in a, mm. in a family. Um, and then I, was, I would say that I had a pretty typical Australian male um, drinking, uh, I guess, relationship growing up, which I was binge drinking and then um, having time off and, and, and bits and, and I guess everything in between. I played um, a reasonable level sport. So that kind of meant that I had to, I guess, binge when I was binging and then not when I wasn't. Um, mm. So... As a result, there was like a lot of drinking, a lot of hangovers. Um, at the time, what I thought was a lot of fun for a brief moment in that, you know, in that perfect little zone that you last for about five minutes before you get too drunk or, or whatever it may be. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely, I, I think um, through through the business that I suppose we'll touch touch on a little bit later, I I've noticed a much more normalized approach to, to cutting back even in my peer group whereas five six years ago i'd be like what are you doing have a beer have a drink um you know double shot etc mm. and now it feels like my journey um is not that different to a lot of my friends who i would still say have regular drinks but just a whole lot less yeah so what sport did you play like what circle are we talking about sporting wise 
Uh, water polo. So I um, yeah played a uh, played that played rugby in the winter, but I ended up taking water polo as as I guess as far as a, as as I could take it um, at a professional level. Professional, it's not AFL, but it's um, it's it's still played overseas and 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 um, ended up going to um, the Olympics in Rio, which was quite cool. But through that, you went to the Olympics. <clears throat> Yeah, so I um, yeah went to the Rio what, 2016 Olympics um, and played water polo for Australia there, which was definitely a, a, a career highlight. Uh, I can imagine. And so something that I have not um, been to the Olympics as an Olympian, I've been as a spectator yeah. to the Sydney ones, yeah, which were yeah. where I was living at the time. But sport and booze, for some reason, especially in Australia, but maybe it's just a worldwide thing, are kind of intrinsically linked, which I do find interesting because athletes, as you would know, you have to be at the top of your game physically, especially you dedicate your whole life for a period of time to competing at this sport and being the best in the world and competing against the best in the world and we compete to win. So you have to have your body at such like tip-top match fit condition Yet somehow it feels like alcohol. It's like, oh, well, we'll let our hair down after we've done all of that and then everyone boozes it up. Is it, is it the same? Because I feel like rugby clubs, that's a given. Is it the same in water polo, like across the, the board, that whole we, we train hard, we work hard, we're athletes, but we also need to let our hair down so we all just go wild in the aisles when we're not training? Yeah, I think so. I think there was definitely that sort of typical rugby-esque culture in, in our sport as well. Um, and it was, yeah, you, you train hard. When we get a night off, we, we make the most of it. Um, and, yeah, it was definitely – and like, like I said, I look back with fond memories, but obviously we, you know, didn't, uh, I guess, I suppose towards the end of it, and as we got to the pointer end, towards the Olympics and whatnot, um, it, we were much more disciplined mm. and understood the, the, the impacts of having too many drinks would, you know, has um but definitely growing up it was like okay train hard um but then like celebrate the the wins or commiserate the losses and that often involved you know getting really drunk um and you know we we know that that has a negative impact on everything health um yeah but it would be like back on the back on the um the training bandwagon on the on the monday again so you kind of have that reset um Mm. But, yeah, definitely the culture was not dissimilar to the rugby clubs and, um, you know, the normal Australian sporting culture, I suppose. And what I find really interesting about that is, like, that vicious cycle that you talk about, right, where um, for athletes you train hard and work hard and then you kind of let your hair down really hard. But that's not all that dissimilar to someone who works in a corporate environment who works hard during the week and then just needs to, like, let some steam off over the weekend. And so they go out and they get really loaded and then you're a bit foggy on the Monday, but you get through it and you trudge through the weekend, then you deserve to have a weekend. Like it, regardless of what the cycle is, it's still vicious and it's still like all in, all in for the drinking portion, um, probably, you know, compartmentalized into a day or two or three. Um, and then, you know, suffering through the week to get back to that place, which we think offers us a relaxant or, um, or freedom in a way, or whatever alcohol offers for people, because it obviously has to tick some sort of box. Otherwise, why would we sign up for another hangover, right? But it's just interesting, like whatever the cycle is, if it's vicious, it's not a great one. At some point, you've got to have that come to Jesus moment and go, this isn't working for me anymore. And I find it really interesting that 
you didn't necessarily look in the mirror and, and be like, all right, Tyler, like get your shit together, dude. Like you just sort of, it kind of just has phased out of your life, which I kind of love that story because it makes it super achievable for people. Yeah, definitely. And I think like, you know, I always thought I had, oh, I don't know if, if healthy relationship with alcohol is the right way to put it, but I knew my relationship with alcohol. I never liked having a couple of drinks. I would not drink or I would drink to get drunk. And like I said, maybe live in that over like a period of drinking of, I don't know, eight hours. There's like a small portion of time when I feel like euphoric, mm. um, but that is like very fleeting. Um, and, you know, people drink for a whole heap of reasons, ritual, celebration, commiseration, getting outside of their own emotions and feelings is a, is a typical one. Mm. Um, habit, like ha- people just, that's what I do. I don't know why I do it, but that's what I do. And then like in the last sort of six months, well, I, in the last probably year and a half uh, or maybe two years, we had, we've got a two and a half year old. Um, so we've got a toddler. We've got an eight week old as well. Oh so my like, gosh. Life, that's a lot of yeah. kids. Yeah, yeah, it is. You're telling me. Um, so um, it's just been like the trade-off is just like I can't imagine what I would be like hungover right now. Like life is challenging and exciting and everything in between every day. If I was hungover, I don't know how I would be able to even function. I I have a four-year-old. I hear you. Mm-hmm. And don't kid yourself that you'll get sleep when your kids are four, Tyler. Because I had my child in my bed last night and I'm like, what are you doing? You have your own bed. Um, I hear you so loud on that one. And, you know, I what I find interesting with the parenting thing is, I mean, I haven't had a drink for eight years. So I, my son's never seen me consume alcohol um, and he won't. Um, but I understand that his mates are going to drink and his mates' parents might. And I don't want to be judgmental on that and I don't want him to... Um, find a place when when the time is right for him to, and we will talk about his relationship with alcohol and what it looks like. And whether you can find a healthy one or not, I'm, I'm not sure. You know, like when you look at all the data um, and all of the study that is being released now about alcohol is a carcinogen, it causes cancer in our body. Like do we really want to be relaxing with something that might, you know, land us on chemo later in life? Maybe not. <laughs> I think there's other healthier, better ways for us to, to find relax. But I do, I do sometimes think like, how, how the hell do you parent on a good day, let alone on a, on a day when you've got like a rip roaring headache and a a terrible hangover. And without like throwing judgment at parents, all I will say to that is if you haven't experienced what parenting is sober, there's a challenge. Because as, as much as you have a tough day, it's only getting tougher when you start hungover and it's, and you are um, removing yourself from being fully present in the parenting experience, which has so many highs and lows. If you want to talk about swings and roundabouts, like become a parent. It is so unpredictable. It's so challenging. It's out of your comfort zone. It's overwhelming joy one minute and then like in the fetal position crying the next, like it's the spectrum of emotions in half an hour, right? And you can't get more real life than that. So when people tell me that they drink because they they want to tap out of the craziness of life, I'm like, no, tap into the craziness of life and do it fully present and fully sober. And then you will also find the reward in it as well. And I think that's what you're experiencing. You're like, this is so fast and loose with these kids right now. I'm going to do it sober because I think that's how we're meant to experience life. And it doesn't 
like also being sober doesn't make your kids perfect and it doesn't make your toddler not throw tantrums and it's not going to make your eight-week-old sleep through the night. It's just not. But what it does, it offers you a full perspective and a full clear head on how to navigate and manage it well. And I think as parents, that's what we need to be showcasing to our kids is not creating lives that are so hectic we need to escape them by drinking, but creating lives that are so hectic and we're so brave that we can lean into the madness. Yeah, I, I like it. I think, in my experience, it's, it's manic, it's mayhem um, on the best of days and it's like amazing <laughs> and also like, you know, terrifying. Um, and oh, my God. Yes. To layer, yeah, to layer like, you know, the negative effects of alcohol. And again, you know, I'm not going to, um, and even in our business, we don't sort of talk badly about alcohol. People can do what they want to do um, and that's fine. Um, and like, you know, I may drink again. Like I'm not, I'm not flying the lifetime sobriety hat um, flag here, um, but it's like fully mindful drinking, which is like a big term that's been come out in recent times. Like it makes yeah. a lot of sense. If you mindfully do anything that you want, then it's pretty a good way to live because you know the consequences as you're going into it. Well, and that's that's it, right? <clears throat> if you're mindfully drinking, then you're aware when you start to feel a bit, oh, okay, maybe I need to cut back or calm down or have a water. And and so being, again, it's just about being present in the moment, um, which is, I guess, the whole ethos behind mindful drinking. Can we talk then about Yes You Can drinks, um, which you are the brains behind and how that journey unfolded in your life? So um, the nutshell version is essentially this. COVID, COVID hit, whenever that hit, feels like a lifetime ago. But at the same time, it feels like it's still sort of wrapping up. But um, uh, my partner was pregnant and she's from New Zealand. So I moved back there because at the time we didn't know what COVID was. Is it, you know, crazy? Is it horrific? Is it not? So we're kind of like, okay, let's go back to New Zealand. You're pregnant. You'll be with your family. Um, and we'll just um, bunker down over there. Uh, <clears throat> she was obviously pregnant. I was I just like coming off my sort of athletic career, so to speak. So I was just, um, uh, I guess, looking for a new challenge. I had previous business, like, um, exited that. Um, I was like, okay, I'm going to do nothing for a year. And then we were out of lunch and my partner wanted a spritz. And she couldn't have one because there was nothing not alcoholic in the bar, but she wanted to feel like a customer. Um, but one of the main reasons, or I think the best reason, like, is the, so, the social um, interaction, it's a ritual, it brings people together. Uh, now, I still think you can do that sober. In fact, I live that and our drinks serve that purpose. But one of the like, time, time, um, yes, time-lasted benefits is that social experience. She felt left out because she was having a soda water um, or a Coke or something when everybody else had a spritz and a beer or whatever it may be. Um, and I thought, okay, there's an idea. I wish I had this when I got to when I was having my fake vodka sodas with my friends when I was about to travel or play or, or train or whatever in my former life. Um, I wish I could have had a, a, a non-out dark and stormy and been really proud to say, hey, yeah, try this. I bet you can't tell the difference. Mm. Um, uh, so I said, awesome. We'll put our heads together. How hard could this be? Um, with no experience in food or beverage uh, or consumer products, actually. Um, <clears throat> we, we launched, or we, we went about launching. We built the business over about a year's time, flavor iterations, designs we made literally every mistake you could possibly make um, <laughs> um, but we got some really good people involved so we got 
like award-winning um, mixologists to help literally craft the flavors to be authentic. Um, we launched with like a fun and not too serious brand. Um, and yeah, I guess that was about a year and a half of condensed into about 90 seconds there. But um, it was certainly a journey and still is a journey. I bet. And so it really came from a genuine place where an out of lived experience, which I completely can relate to. And the thing, you know, I, I have like, I quit drinking eight and a half years ago where there was nothing yeah. like there was just, you were early. Yeah. Mate, I was the trailblazer and it, I just remember being at um, a friend's house warming and everyone kind of in my sort of um, work life and we we're very close at the time like we just all lived and breathed what we did and we we're at a, uh, one of my colleagues housewarming parties and everyone knew that I was off the booze temporarily which was a pretty big deal because I was a you know I was a great boozer at the time but they were doing a round of shots and I felt so left out but because I think I have oppositional defiance disorder I would, I double down and I'm like, I don't, I'm not doing shot and don't come at me with your like peer pressure bull crap, you know, but internally I was like, it would actually be nice to be here with something in my hand that felt like I was partaking in the ritual without needing to partake in the ritual because then I would feel more included. And I also, for me at the time too, I was still getting my head around sober Maz and like, who is sober Maz and can we even socialize or do I just need to stay at home in my pajamas with a hot water bottle until I die? So it was it was a really, you know, big sort of learning curve for me about how to be in a social environment, not be drinking alcohol, still um, trying to reconcile what sobriety looked like for myself and trying to answer some really big confronting questions for people. And what would have been helpful for me at the time is maybe having that little thing in my hand, which just took the pressure off all of the focus being on why are you not drinking? Cause I wasn't ready to talk about it yet. And now eight and a half years down the track, I can say, I'm not going to drink again. And I know what my sober response would have been back then, which is what I encourage people to do when they're not drinking. To be fair, your partner had the best excuse ever. Like I'm pregnant, <laughs> but from her, I can understand how she would have felt left out. And like, I you don't want to be punished when you're pregnant, right? But being outcast of your social group, especially if it's best mates or family, you do kind of feel a little bit alone. And so I can fully understand how like your product is really, I guess for the, it, it really does serve a great purpose for people who are sober curious or in a position in life at the time, maybe for a little time or a long time where they, they don't want to drink alcohol, but they just don't want to have all of those big, scary, confronting questions or in my case somebody yelling at me like why aren't you having a shot of tequila and I was like why are you yelling at me we're adults <laughs> yeah why do people care but yeah. it's crazy people do they and do. um I, I like you were early days like yeah it would have been a lot tougher for you back then than, than people now and, um yeah like pregnancy is the is the easiest excuse which is crazy that we have to call it an excuse mm -hmm. um but it still so feels that way um what we're finding in our business, at least, is like 90 plus percent of our um, consumers are actually drinking alcohol. But the whole sober curious movement, mindful drinking movement, which is pretty cool to see, um, that like they're having us between drinks, they're switching. There's a whole new category of switches, which is like a real Aperol, one of our spritzes, 
and drive home or, or you, know, have, you know, maintain that accountability or responsibility of life. So, um, yeah, we, we basically made our, our company from our immediate needs stage and we built it for Sophie, my partner, and I. And just turns out that there's a lot more than just Sophie and I um, who needed that, that solution and, and still need that solution. I love that too, um, that there's almost like a label for people who are switching out an alcoholic drink for a non-alcoholic drink, but it just means that they don't have to. I think it just makes it accessible for people who are thinking about reducing, cutting back, like all of those things are good steps towards sobriety. Um, my stance is that your sober self is your best self. Um, that's just how I feel. Um, that's just my opinion. But if you, you, you don't necessarily have to do that huge leap overnight you can incrementally reassess your relationship with alcohol and any level of switching out or cutting back is going to give you a little bit more clarity for a little bit longer which again is not a bad thing and I can imagine if somebody goes and has one drink and then has like a yes you can drink they're going to wake up the next morning feeling better than if they had one drink and then another drink and then maybe 567,000 other drinks because that's what we t- that's what we tend to do because alcohol has that nature and and it does release all of these neurotransmitters in our brains and it rewires our brain function which is why we do gnarly stuff when we're super wasted <laughs> 100% so we don't obviously don't call ourselves a hydration drink but essentially we 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 <laughs> We, 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 we technically could because we're, you know, a, a much more sophisticated option than water, but you still feel like you're part of the, well, you are, you're still part of the occasion, whether that's like clocking off alone, you know, beside the fire um, or whether it's, you know, out, out at Opera Bar, for example, um, who stock us down here in Sydney. And, and they've said that they've seen, it's amazing how many people they see now switching between drinks and even just coming, um, you know, even on a Thursday and Friday afternoon where they would normally get a lot of suits come down and, and mm. you know, start to get, get into it, they're seeing a lot more people actually obviously not alcoholic options because um, I think the world is slowly waking up. Yeah, so with, you know, you're right in the thick of it. You guys are a part of this, you know, billion-dollar boom that the non-alcoholic drinks market is going to experience between now and 2025. Um, so, and congratulations on that, by the way, nailed it. But what have you noticed, like, with the drinking culture, I guess, in the last bit of time that you've been in business, have you noticed a shift? Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Like, do you think that the drinking culture in Australia is slowly turning around? I think so. I think we are very close to, close to, I guess, close to it. So close to the ground, I suppose, on that one. So we have a slightly... Um, warped view and also um, we're probably a little bit ahead of where the masses are at the moment Um, but yeah definitely changing Um, we just did a big brand uh, research study of everyone who's tried our drinks and even some who haven't and the feedback was that there's still a stigma out there so Mm. there's still people who are switching and going sober that there is a stigma we don't see that in our immediate circles maybe because we're so we're so deep in it but um, it's clear that it's still out there Uh, it is changing um, and it's driven from the customer or the consumer, right? And also from the, the top, it's driven from the venues and the retailers and the consumer. And then we're going to meet somewhere in the middle um, as, uh, as the category gets more and more uh, entrants come into it. And as people try it and say, hey, that's actually pretty good. Like often that's our best feedback because mm. it's people who are a bit on the fence. They're not married to the idea of having a, a sober spritz, 
they try it and they say, oh, I like that more than an Aperol spritz. That surprises me. And I'm like, okay, that's actually the best feedback we can get. Yeah, and I think it is, it's so interesting that there is still a stigma out there, right? So, of course there is. Like, come on, we we are, we have been named the booziest nation in the world. That's the latest study, that Australians drink more alcohol per person per capita in the world than any other country. So go us. Uh, also, that may, that makes this the biggest market for your product. <laughs> but yeah, I think... The most, work, the most work needed to be done. Yeah. The, most, the heaviest lifting. Exactly. Yeah. But what I, what I get excited about having these conversations with Tyler is the stigma is still there 100%, but there are options now where if you are willing to just put aside what you think people might think about you and do what you want to do, uh, you know, when it comes to your relationship with alcohol or your behavior when you drink, that it is possible now. And it's possible to almost fly under the radar, which isn't going to stop the stigma, unfortunately. Like that's actually not going to address the bigger overarching problem, which is like we could just all, you know, work towards sobriety and that not be such a terrible thing. But that's still so impossible for people to understand the concept of at this stage. But I'm doing my best to get the word out there. But I think that being able to fly under the radar is not a bad thing at all. And I, you know, like moderating is better than being um, so just naive to the impacts that alcohol is having on you on your body, on your family, on your relationships, on your working life. Like if we can reduce some of those negative knock-ons just slightly, it's going to give people an opportunity to go, actually, do you know what? I'm better off when I'm not drinking alcohol. But in order to feel like I'm a part of all of this still, I've got these options and they're good options. And I think from, again, as I said, eight and a half years ago, I don't think like I think it was just like non-alcoholic wine was literally Lambrusco and that's something from the 90s anyway. And that was about it. So, in a, you know, in that amount of time, there's so many options out there now for people to moderate, mindfully drink or um, switch in and out. And, and I guess, you know, my echo is that that's a great step and it doesn't have to be all in let's never drink alcohol again for the rest of our lives you know, good night, amen, even though that's where I'm sitting and I'm really comfortable in that space and owning that space, I would just encourage people to just sit down and go, where am I at with alcohol and what can I do a little bit better? I guess, and and that I feel like is, you know, you've created a product for people who are in that gray area and I do feel like that's a lot of people. Yeah, it's probably the most people at the moment. And I think one thing that we've tried to, um, I guess, encourage is like, and you said it before, like own what you want to do and own your decisions. Um, yes, you know, if you want to hide it in a spritz, like at Opera Bar, I go back to them, they glam it up in a spritz glass and you wouldn't know the difference between mm. that and, a, and an Aperol spritz. So you can hide it. Um, and we're finding more and more people. And I think it's kind of what our, our intention was behind the brand. It's a big, bold can, um, brightly coloured uh, across the range. It's like, no, no, I'm going to do what I want to do. And like, this is of me to do whatever I want to do. And if that's get, you know, drunk, so be it. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, I'm, if it's go sober, this is my, my, you know, my can um, in my hand for that. So, um, 
yeah, I think more and more people are, I guess, stepping up into that space and say, hey, it's it's actually it's not it's not uncool to give. In fact, the way the trends are moving, it's probably going to end up being cool, um, for want of a better word. Yeah, I know. And it's tricky with, you know, cool things and uncool things because what's hot and what's not one minute switches around and it's so confusing. Apparently low-waisted jeans are back and I'm devastated. But but the word trend is, it's not a dirty word. And if sobriety or sober curiosity becomes a trend and it's going to better people's health and wellness and relationships, then that's a trend that I think, you know, and not, not under the guise of wellness and, you know, like, all the ridiculous wellness crazes that are out there. I mean, like a genuine t- trend, which is pushing people to a, a healthier, better self and relationship with self, I think is really good. I want to know um, how long did it take you to come up with the name and how, were there any other working titles? Because I think the name's very clever. Yeah, there was quite a few actually. And like I was really torn between one and this one. Um, and the other one would have been a different, a different, we still got it. So we might roll out it different product extension at some point and use it but um this was just like hey let's have some fun in the category yeah. like it's yes you can um like you know stay spirited like we, we're trying to be like uh your spirit our drinks like we can play around with like so much fun rather than um just i guess be another i guess beverage company on the shelf um so it took it took a little while we worked with an awesome branding agency to come up with that we wanted something bold we wanted something a little bit weird like at the start, we were like, how are people going to order this at a bar? Do they say, can I get a yes, you can spritz? Can I? And we just owned it. Yeah. And we just say, you know what? That's what it is. And we owned it. And like, you know, it's a big example. But Google was a weird word at one point in time. That's true. You know, um, so it's like Nike. Nike is a weird word. Um, it's, uh, it's, we, we hope that it sort of grows into the standard, hey, um, can I get a yes, you can? And it's just super normal. Yeah, I, I just think it's really clever. And I, and you said, you know, you worked with a branding agency and they've done a great job. It To me, like when I saw the product, you sent me some products and thank you so much. I, when I, when I opened um, the product, I was, I felt like this is playful and fun. And when you think about it, when we get together with mates, usually like, unless we're commiserating, which we do drink to commiserate as well, but when it's celebration, it's celebratory, it's we are playful and fun when we have our first drink. and But unfortunately, because of alcohol, we don't stay there. We either go one of two ways. We go super sad or super crazy at some point. And, and then who knows what happens because we black out and wake up the next day and try and piece it all together. But what I found with your brand is it did, I it really did play into playfulness. And that is the vibe that I have when I go out with my friends and so I think you've done a great job there again of just giving people something that they can not, they don't need to hide it. It's like, I don't, people don't need to, it's like, no, this is, this is bold. This is bright. This is fun. This is playful. This is who I am. Um, and I, yeah, I just think it really speaks to the heart of, of your brand, which is, which is really cool. Cause a lot of brands, you know, don't make sense and yours makes perfect sense to me. Now, we, we, we're really we're really excited by it and um, we can't wait to keep rolling out new and new, new and more products as I think the non-out replica market is um, is the first step and then I think as this category grows like what we know is you know whether you know non-out or whatever is a trend at the moment what we know is that people are drinking less than they ever drunk before and there's more people drinking less and more people stopping so it's like how that manifests itself in like liquid form who knows 
but um, we, we, we're pretty excited by the platform that we've got. And you know, now we just want to get into every, every place that sells alcohol um, and then beyond. I love it, mate. I um, It's so great to chat to you. And like I said, love what you guys are doing and fully support. Anything in this space is worth um, talking about and hearing the story behind is so interesting too. So thanks for your time today. Um, I'll just put some links in the show notes on where people can click on your products, order them online, do all the things. Thanks for listening to Last Drinks Podcast. If you love this podcast, then subscribe. For more inspiration and to reach out, you can follow us on Instagram at Last Drinks Pod. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.